Good day, everyone. Welcome to Saturated in Scripture. Greetings, everyone. You are tuning into Saturated in Scripture, a weekly devotional program designed to help you taste and see the sweetness of the gospel in Scripture. My name is Elliot, and I'm your host for the program. And every week, we gather across our city and our world to pause in order to hear what God has to say to us through His Word and Spirit. For the year 2023, we are, as a church, working our way through the entire book of the Psalms. But this is just a bit of a heads up. In weeks 12 to 13, uh, the Saturated in Scripture team will be taking a bit of a break. Uh, weeks 12 to 13, so that will be Psalms 34 all the way to 37. The readings for those weeks will be a bit shorter, um, and this break will give us a bit of time to rest from punching this out at a weekly basis. Again, a special shout out to Adrian, uh, who spends hours and hours each week producing this. Uh, this will give us a bit of time to rest, but also prepare for a new season. We feel like we've done this for a quarter now. We've learned a lot of lessons and we're making some modifications. And I hope and prayer is that we'll come back next quarter even stronger, better, and clearer for you as you read uh, the Psalms with us. There's a reminder that our readings for this week is from Psalms chapter 26 to 28. And our Psalm in focus for this episode is Psalm 28. If you're able to, let me invite you to keep your Bibles open as we hear God's Word. The reading is Psalm 28. I'm again reading from the NIV translation, and it says this, To you, Lord, I call. You are my rock. Do not turn a deaf ear to me. For if you remain silent, I'll be like those who go down to the pit. Hear my cry for mercy as I call to you for help, as I lift my hands toward your most holy place. Do not drag me away with the wicked, with those who do evil, who speak cordially with their neighbors, but harbor malice in their hearts. Repay them for their deeds and for their evil work. Repay them for what their hands have done and bring back on them what they deserve. Because they have no regard for the deeds of the Lord and what his hands have done, he will tear them down and never rebuild them again. Praise be to the Lord, for he has heard my cry for mercy. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him and he helps me. My heart leaps for joy and with my song I praise him. The Lord is the strength of his people, a fortress of salvation for his anointed one. Save your people and bless your inheritance. Be their shepherd and carry them forever. This is the word of the Lord. How do we live in a world that feels like it's spiraling out of control? And by spiraling, I mean that it is progressively departing from Christian values and principles. You see, no culture is neutral, and no cultural practice occurs within a vacuum. For example, if you're listening in from a more what we would call Western context like Australia, then it shouldn't surprise you that many of our social values and principles are built upon the teachings of the Christian Bible. You know, our understanding of God and work and marriage and singleness and family have been formed largely by what God has revealed to us in Holy Scripture. 
Of course, we live in a broken world, and so the human application of these principles are flawed and imperfect. But it also comes as little surprise that many of these values and principles have protected our culture in some ways. And so we recognize that a departure from all of this is not only a violation of the teachings of the Bible, it is actually also a departure from the root of what enables us to flourish as humans. And so many are concerned. We are spiraling, right? Now, those of you living in Sydney will know that we are near the end of Pride Month, where values that are very different to the Bible is being displayed and celebrated. What do we do in the face of this? In a very interesting manner, Psalm 28 gives us a bit of a framework. It is neither catastrophizing the situation, nor is it being careless with the situation. How do we engage with those who are different, with those whom we disagree? You see, Psalm 28 begins with the psalmist crying out to God. Read verse 1. He says, To you, Lord, I call. You are my rock. Do not turn a deaf ear to me. And here, he is crying out for his fear of death. He says, For if you remain silent, I will be like those who go down to the pit. Now you see, the language pit is not just symbolic of death. It is also symbolic of a shameful death. So in the face of that fear, the psalmist asks the Lord to hear his cry for mercy. That's verse 2. And the psalmist cries out with his hands lifted up. Now you see, the action of hands being lifted up in prayer or hands lifted up in worship is actually a biblical one. We often think of it as an expression of Pentecostal or charismatic theology. It's not. It's referred to here in Psalm 28 verse 2. It's also there in Psalm 63 verse 4. It's in Exodus chapter 17 verse 9. And of course, it's in 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 8. And this raised hands in prayer and worship is powerful, firstly, because it expresses our direction of worship, the direction of worship. So here, the psalmist says, toward your most holy place. Worshippers make clear who we worship as we raise our hands, as our hands are lifted towards heaven. Raise hands, secondly, also expresses our neediness. You see, we reach out with empty hands. We have nothing to offer to God. We come in humility, or as the reformer Martin Luther says, we come as beggars to the cross of Christ, our neediness. And thirdly, our raised hands also expresses our readiness to receive, our readiness to receive like a child reaching out to a parent longing for a drink, a piece of fruit, a toy to play with, or to be held, we raise our hands in prayer and worship to say to God, God of heaven and earth, I need you, or we need you. Remember, worship is often corporate. We want to receive from you. The rest of the psalm then records the psalmist making clear what he's afraid of and what he longs for. In verse 3, the psalmist asks for God's protection. Do not drag me away from the wicked with those who do evil. Verse 4, he asks the Lord to repay his enemies for their wickedness. Repay them for the deeds, for the evil work. 
Verse 5, he clarifies that their wickedness is not first and foremost against man, but against God. Verse 5 says they have no regard for the deeds of the Lord. And then verses 6 to 9, the psalmist highlights that his strength comes from the Lord. The Lord is my strength and shield. My heart trusts in him and he helps me. Do you notice something here? This here is a model for engagement. What do I mean? Well, consider these three implications with me. Firstly, when we engage with those who disagree or with those who are running in a direction that is very different and in the context of the psalm, it's wickedness and evil, how we ought to resist feeling hopeless or overwhelmed. To resist feeling hopeless or overwhelmed. You see, it's not uncommon for us to feel like those who are against us are too great, their campaigns are too mighty, their voices are too loud, and so we just give up. There's no hope, they'll win anyway. And when we give up hope, we either compromise or we check out. We compromise by saying, well, if you can't beat them, join them. Or we check out by just growing numb or indifferent. But the psalmist makes it clear at the beginning and the end of the psalm, our hope is not in changing circumstances. Our hope is in God. It is to God we cry out, not to the government to change policies or to change minds. It is God who gives strength, not our education system. Friends, God has got this. We don't need to catastrophize, resist feeling hopeless. Secondly, we need to resist withdrawing. Resist from withdrawing. It's not uncommon, isn't it? For Christians to feel like Goliath is too great. So let's just hide and maybe we can wait for all of this to blow over. But the entire psalm is a prayer. Remember, lifted hands. Maybe we need to, as Christians, corporately raise our hands in prayer to intercede for our nation and our world. To say to God, God, if you remain silent, if you don't do anything, then we are in deep, deep trouble. Friends, we also often pray for ourselves and our own needs. Maybe we can pray for those around us. But when have we proactively prayed for the good of our city? When have you proactively prayed for the blessing of our neighbors, that they would know the life and the hope that is found in the gospel? Don't withdraw. Just as Daniel in the face of an oppressive government did, we pray. A part of not withdrawing then is also getting involved. Try this. When those around you are celebrating values that are vastly different to ours, ask them, why is this important to you? Now, there's no agenda behind this question apart from taking an interest, right? We're showing that we all share the same space. They are no less human because of what they value. And so we take an interest. Why is this important to you? And as we ask, We need to be prepared to give our answer as well. Why is this important to you? Ask in a non-condescending and non-defensive way. Take their answer and say, thanks for that. And if they don't ask you back, then that's okay. But ask them, why is this particular issue important to you? 
Uh, in the case of Pride Week, for example, that recently just happened, we can ask, why is same-sex marriage important to you? Take a genuine interest. Maybe they may ask you back. And at that point, brothers and sisters, we need to be prepared to articulate why biblical marriage is important to us, to God and to our society. If you need help with that particular question, then drop me a line. I'd be happy to chat with you about it. But this question, why is it important to you, can apply in so many circumstances. Resist withdrawing. And then lastly, resist depending on self. Resist depending on self. That's all throughout the psalm, right? We pray to God for patience. We pray to God for strength. And most significantly, we pray to God for a change of heart. We can't change hearts. We could manipulate, but that doesn't last. People snap out of it, and that's also just dishonest, right? We speak the truth in love, asking the Lord to change hearts. And that's what we see in Christ, don't we? In the face of great persecution and death, Jesus never gave up hope. In fact, he knew that this journey to the cross was determined for the salvation of many. He didn't withdraw. In fact, he stooped and went deeper into the lives of those who were against him. He didn't depend on self in the Garden of Gethsemane. He prayed for strength from the Father to continue his mission. And the good news is we who trust in him have access to the same Father who gives strength to his people. The psalmist in verse 9 says, Save your people and bless your inheritance. Be their shepherd and carry them forever. That's what we have in Christ. He has saved us and secured us an inheritance. He is our shepherd. He will carry us forever. So we need not fear. We need not catastrophize. We need not compromise or check out. We can engage with hope. So here's a point to ponder this week. Who can you ask the question, why is this important to you too? Who's someone around you? You can ask this question. Why is this important to you? Who is someone in your life who holds radically different values and ideas? Rather than preach to them, we can perhaps firstly learn to listen to them. Who can you ask that question to this week? And remember, if you ask, you may very well be asked to also give an answer for the faith that you have. Who can you ask? Why is this important to you? My hope and prayer is that this spawns and begins some very life-giving and fruitful conversations. So why don't we do that right now? Let's pray together. Our gracious God, we thank you for Psalm 28 that shows us so clearly that you are the source of our hope. You are the source of our strength. You are the one that we can run to. And so, Lord and God, I pray that this confidence we have in Christ shapes the way we interact with those who are different to us and who hold values that sometimes contradict ours. Gracious God, may our conversations be seasoned with grace and kindness and point them to Christ and the life-giving message of the gospel. Give us strength. Give us perseverance. Give us hope. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for another week here at Saturated in Scripture. Let me remind you that we are taking a break for weeks 12 to 13, but I hope and pray you've been able to taste the sweetness of Scripture with us. Until next week, 
delight in the law of the Lord.